Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Culture, Sex, Relationships. This week I chatted with Cathy Thornton about her book The Hologram, which I read a few weeks ago and thought was absolutely brilliant and I wanted you to know about it. Uh, Cathy Thornton is an, art, an artist and activist from the US, currently living in Canada. She refers to herself as a feminist economist, a title that frames her work as that of a social scientist actively preparing for the economics of a future society that produces health and life without the tools that reproduce oppression, like money, police or prisons. She is currently the co-director of the Reimagining Value Action Lab in Thunder Bay, an art and social centre at Lakehead University in Ontario, Canada. Her book, The Hologram, published by Pluto Press, um, it describes her book as an, in an era when capitalism leaves so many to suffer and die with neoliberal self-care offering little more than a band-aid how can we take health and care back into our hands in the hologram cassie thornton puts forward a bold vision for a revolutionary care a viral peer-to-peer -peer feminist health network the premise is simple three people a triangle meet on a regular basis digitally or in person to focus on the physical mental and social health of a fourth the hologram the hologram in turn teaches their caregivers how to give and also receive care. Each member of their triangle becomes a hologram for another different triangle, and so the system expands. Drawing on radical models developed in Greek solidarity clinics during the decade of crisis and directly engaging with discussions around mutual aid and the coronavirus pandemic, the hologram develops the skills and relationships we desperately need for the anti-capitalist struggles of the present and the post-capitalist society or the future. One part art, one part activism, one part science fiction. This book offers the reader a guide to establishing a hologram network as well as reflections on this cooperative work in progress. We chat about this in today's episode. The full episode will be available on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture sex relationships. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, Cassie, could you first of all just talk us through what, what the hologram is, what, we're, what we mean when we talk about the hologram? Yeah, totally. So the hologram is a pure, a feminist peer-to-peer -peer health model. Um, it kind of exists in two ways. One is that um, it actually is a really structured social practice mm -hmm. for how to kind of distribute labor, the labor of care, and also to kind of like teach more people how to be in a supportive role. Um, and it's viral. And so I'll describe that in a second. The second way that the project exists is kind of like almost as a sort of parafiction or like a sort of rumor. Um, and when I say parafiction, I'm thinking about like talking about something that isn't quite true until it becomes true um, about what's possible. And so like the in a way, the hologram tells a story that we could like about how we can and how we already are um, organizing like our time and energy in ways that totally interrupt capitalism and all the sort of normative hetero, hetero patriarchal racist systems that really kind of condemn our lives to being a you know a boring isolated mm -hmm. capitalist life so mm -hmm. the actual model is um a model that i kind of borrowed in a way from um some greek clinics that were offering completely free care during their financial crisis, which was also a refugee crisis in the early 2010s, mm -hmm. um, where basically um, at one particular clinic called the Social Solidarity Clinic of Thessaloniki, there was a group that were interested in how to offer something even better than free care, which was potentially non-hierarchical care. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so they um, they were experimenting with a model called the integrative model, where when a patient came in to the clinic, they were seen by a therapist, a social worker, and a medical doctor, like a GP at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were asked all kinds of questions, um, who they are, what they eat, where they get their food, to whom do they owe debts, are they lonely, who's in their family, where do they work, what are their working conditions. And... Um, all like the 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 patient was actually like asked in the end to reflect on after hearing themselves talk about all these things like what is it that they actually want and need to be okay Hmm. or maybe even to thrive and then um in the end like the the their job was in a way to like like for the patient to actually say to the doctors who are supporting them like what they need and how they want it and how they would like support in order to like be able to sort of make it through the next year. And Mm -hmm. that support would come without money because these were free clinics. Um, So the hologram model is trying to to hack that integrative model um, Mm -hmm. by making it into a peer to peer project that we can do amongst friends and acquaintances where basically one person acts instead of being a patient, we call that person a hologram. Mm-hmm. that person organizes three people to support them and, um, you know, meets in a somewhat regular way over hopefully a long period of time where they basically mm-hmm. get together with these three pe- with three people that they know. And those three people ask them questions. One person asks them about um, their medical, their body, their physical health. One person mm-hmm. asks them about their social well-being. One person asks them about their mental and emotional life. And uh, the idea would be that that would happen over a long period of time. So slowly you'd have this hologram being being understood by these three other people. And then in time, if a couple of years down the line or if three months down the line, um, the hologram needs to make a big decision about a surgery or a big move, anything that affects them, um, they have three people that have been sort of their living medical record. Like they know what they've been through and they can actually help them to hopefully make a decision where they don't feel like all the pressure is on them to not mess up. Um, And then the model, I think the, the interesting part that brings out a lot of um, like, like really beautiful challenges to us and the way that we've kind of internalized and reproduced different sorts of, you know, capitalist habits Mm -hmm. is that then each of the, people that are um, supporting the, the hologram, who we call those, the, those three people, the triangle, each of those people become holograms. Mm-hmm. And so then the practice becomes viral because they invite three people and so on and so on and so on. Hopefully it becomes something that grows and grows as a practice and kind of transforms as it's used. When I was telling someone about this, I was quoting from the book where I think you were one of the participants in, in the project, talked about it as a vast fishing net. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of just being throughout society, um, kind of just supporting lots of people, lots of people supporting other people. One of the really cool things I really like about this approach, I should say, I've not done this yet, but I would, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm thinking for myself about how I, how I would do a hologram and and, and um, how I would be a hologram and what the barriers are for me, which I guess, you know, very selfishly, I'm using this podcast to <laughs> help me do that. Um, but one of the things about this is that it's not reciprocal, is it? So so um, 
those people helping you will get helped by someone else or get will get supported by someone else um so it's it's really kind of setting in this um very interesting kind of dynamic which where wherein the caregiving is kind of um is more boundaried i guess it's more it's more structured uh, mm-hmm. than the kinds of things that might play out in our kind of everyday relationships with people yeah um and so and for so for everyone in the triangle to themselves be a hologram and to have another three people around them doing the same thing and, and for it to continue in that viral way means that the help comes around um, and as part of the project, people need to have that as well, don't they? So mm-hmm. once you recommend after one or two sessions of setting up your own, um, of being the hologram, that your triangle each become their own hologram and you can then facilitate them to do that. That's correct, isn't it? Yeah, or I think it might take, the more I do it, the more I think it might take more time. But yeah, yeah I mean, the idea, which is very challenging to a lot of people who are first learning or trying to practice this, like... Um, is that, like, instead of, like, the hologram receiving a certain type of care from these three people and then turning around and trying to, like, like return it, um, mm-hmm. the idea is that they actually, like, they don't pay back, but they support the people that care for them by making sure that those people are cared for. Mm. And so I think that looks different for different people. But like in my hologram, um, I think like there, there is, there is, there has been, there is, and there will be a moment to check in with each person and say like, like, how is this for you? Is it interesting? Mm. Like, are, do you, like, what would it look like if you did it yourself? And, um, you know, to kind of like actually get a little bit of support in sort of like going through the steps that it takes to to actually set up your own triangle, which is not I think we can all pretty much agree that like choosing who you want to work with is not something that's really like obvious or natural, given that Mm. I think in our especially right now, the idea of like asking for help feels so sticky Um, when we feel like most people we know are kind of in a state of emergency. So how do you, how do you do that and not feel like a a horrible burden? Um, and I think that like, because of the structure of the project, it makes learning how to ask for support a part of it. So like Mm. the hologram has gone through it and now she's there, he's there, they're there to support their triangle to go through that. And Mm. so in that way, it's it does so many interesting things because it it's like it's it necessitates like the fact that no one wants to be a burden necessitates mm. the fact that the project becomes viral. Mm. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. so because I think it's really interesting to kind of weaponize that feeling of being a burden because that is the thing like this is like like this is a huge wall for people I think. On, especially people, honestly, that work in healthcare or are kind of like professional healers or like different kinds of like emotional support people. Like, mm. like we are the ones that have the hardest time actually asking for support, I think. And so mm-hmm. um, having a kind of system that, that automates that, I think that makes it really much more possible. So I think that's the, that's the important part of it. What's really clever about, um, about the book is that, um, and the, 
the project generally is that you the is the creative way that the the project itself um, tackles all of the barriers um, inherent in it. So this thing about um, so it's 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 kind of a workbook. Uh, if you're familiar with our zines that Meg John and Justin and I did, dear listener, um, you would love this book. Um, get the book, Pluto, Pluto Press, available now. Um, they often have a sale on as well, um, and there are great North London independent indie bookseller anyway um but the the section of the book where you talk about trust wishes time and patterns where you are like okay look here are some of the barriers to overcoming this work and the reason why and you go into brilliant detail but in such a concise way um about what the barriers are but why so why it is that the the barriers are actually the opportunity like by leaning into it and actually addressing them as barriers and, and 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 leaning into what the hologram might offer those barriers are then the opportunity so for those of us who are, are stuck in patterns where it's easier to give help rather than to receive which i think is probably going to be a lot of people who listen to a podcast like this quite frankly um it is difficult to to reach out and say could you help me around this? And it might also be difficult for those people to think that they that they could, well, because we might think that it would be difficult for those people to give us the kinds of support that we might ask for them. Um, but that's also kind of, but the, 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 the way to get that is to empower that person. So it's often disempowering for us to be the giver of support and for other people to always be the receivers of support. And actually it's an empowering model for them to say, no, look, you can actually do this. Like a lot of this stuff, one of the things that really came out from when you, uh, your, um, uh, when you, the information you got from the, um, the Greek austerity clinics were um, that a lot of, healthcare is just really good listening and the the ability to kind of be there and to to note and pay attention and to teach that person about about themselves Mm um i thought that was really i thought that was really smart Um, yeah i mean i think like i mean something that has come up in my own hologram um is like when i've been dealing with some health issues sometimes i leave the hospital or the medical system more sick than when i arrived and one thing that has come up so solidly with me and then now that I've seen in loads of other people's stories is that like actually like not being listened to is structured into most Western medicine. Mm. Um, And this kind of like the sort of power over that happens Mm. between like a doctor and a patient, like that is it is real and it is like i think it's yeah. it's it's not just a barrier for those of us that are getting care i really think it's actually also equally a barrier for the doctor or for the person who does have the power over who's mm. sort of stuck in a place in a position where like they must know and so mm. they i think in a weird way have have maybe kind of lost their ability to be curious or mm to like be vulnerable um and yeah i mean i just i can't even explain what a weird and like obvious thing it was to have to be told though that like the thing that was really making me feel sick was just simply not being heard by people that had power over my body um and i think like the thing that is really powerful to watch with the hologram is that like often so i facilitate a lot of 
like online hologram sessions. So we call those <laughs> minimum viable holograms. And basically like anyone over the last year was able to sign up to have like a facilitated two hour session. They would invite three of their friends and kind of talk through something sticky in their lives. And like mm -hmm. the point was just to like get your friends to kind of feel along with you as you described whatever you're going through. And they ask you loads of questions. And by the end, like they can give you some reflections and feedback. There's no advice. There's no solving problems. We're just like going to really like be in this thing together with you. Um, and what was so amazing was that like the people in the triangles were often, I would say 89% were so relieved to be asked for the help. Like not only to be like, not only to be told that they were needed and wanted, but to actually be instructed on how to give care was a huge relief because I think in some way, like because of kind of like, like the professionalization of care because of like the authority mm -hmm. that we give to, to, um, to doctors and to professionals and to, uh, because of like liability culture and the fear we have of messing up, um, mm -hmm. and what that, you know, what kind of litigation we might end up having to go through. Like everybody's afraid to help each other. And so mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's just been really interesting to watch the relief that happens mm -hmm. when people are actually invited in and then sh told what to do. And then like we all we also always say, like in this in this project, like the person asking for help is the expert, like yeah. their ability to articulate their vulnerability, vulnerability and needs and to get what they actually need out of people that want to give it to them. Mm -hmm. That makes them an expert and teacher. And so mm -hmm. with that power, like now, like we can we can relax into our position as like helpers, as supporters and as question askers, mm -hmm. because like they, we know that this person is going to actually be honest with us when mm -hmm. when we're trying to support them. We're not going to we're not going to, you know, blow through a boundary or hurt them because they're going to be telling us mm -hmm. what they need if as much as they can. I think some of those ideas uh, have kind of been. Um I've certainly heard of kind of, of this kind of thing happening in the NHS sometimes, the idea of like the expert patient um, and um, the importance of, um, I guess the, well, it's still not funded yet, so all of this is lip service, but the kind of the, the increasing importance of uh, mental health and emotional health um, and, uh, and reducing the false binary between, you know, what is physical health and mental health, uh, you know, Meg John and I and you talk about it in the book and also like the work of uh, I think it's, uh, Gabor Mate talks about this as well that the bio, the, the psycho, the social are all linked to, interlinked and they feed off each other um, so it's not even really possible to separate them out but they but we have to recognise the relationship they are they have between them yeah. certainly I, I've also worked actually in a sexual health clinic where there was this kind of more um, there was this kind of like expert patient um uh, more biopsychosocial kind of uh, work that we did. Uh, I was a, I was doing like kind of educational work within a, a clinic setting where groups of young men would come in and give them condoms and they'd tell me what was going on for them and you know and then they could also um, get an SCI checkup and uh, and people could get pregnancy uh, tests and contraceptive healthcare and that kind of stuff. So young people would kind of come in and they would, often they would end up seeing every single person who worked there. So every uh, so everyone who worked there did kind of get more and more information about them, and then you know with their permission, we were able to talk about what was going on for this person because with a different person, they were also able to ask different questions that enabled that young person to have a to 
to a greater understanding of what's going on in their lives and what they need, whether it's biological, psychological, or sociological, whether it's their relationships outside the clinic. But also this had like a peer effect that young people were coming in and having those conversations. With, like, they were bringing other young people in and say, Justin, tell him what you were telling me the other day kind of thing. And then they would kind of take the role of me and quiz their friends about why they weren't using condoms, which is kind of remarkable. The thing with that was that it... It, that only really established over a long period of time you have to really stick at it and also it's costly um and so and it got cut for reasons of cost purely i mean the clinic the, the service worked brilliantly had incredible numbers um but it, it's that kind of thing that just gets cut first of all so even where even where it is acknowledged that this kind of approach that we have to look at the whole person and um not just have this kind of biological where if our only if our only tool is biology then the only problems we see are biological um but they are they are just the ones that are cut in in even in a public land, publicly funded health service where yeah. there is austerity and cuts yep. so i guess the real power of this is that when we can empower each other to say look we can do this kind of care there are certain things we can't do and you're not saying that this is a replacement for therapy or any medical intervention Mm -hmm. uh, or or a medical intervention Uh, but there are loads of things that we can do that have actually as you say kind of society is like taking it away from us Um, and this is the like the political element of the of the conversation I'm like hoping to get to because you, you don't start out in the book by talking about what the hologram is you start out by talking about the conditions wherein the hologram is absolutely necessary yeah. and the effect that capitalism has had on our relationships with the with each other and our relationships with ourselves and our relationships to community um could you talk a little bit more about that so it's not just me on this podcast moaning about politics and neoliberalism (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I think um I love to moan about neoliberalism (laughs) but uh, I think um like you know my sense is that no matter where you live like now that I've I've lived like in Canada but spent most of my life in the UK I mean I'm sorry in in the US yeah. Um, and but then with with spending a lot of time in U- the UK and Germany um, and experiencing like all of those healthcare systems a little bit, mm. like and just having friends everywhere, I realized that like you know no matter where you live and what type of healthcare system you live with, like the service is spotty at best, mm. and it's not going to get better. Like mm-hmm. we know we kind of we can see the writing on the wall like. Even if Trump is out, it doesn't matter. It, it does not tell the story of the world. Like there's a whole, you know, there's a lot of conservative politicians, and there's mm-hmm. a big sense of scarcity in the world, especially after COVID. And I just don't know if our healthcare systems are ever going to be pumped up and going to become the thing that we wish that they would be, um, or at least not immediately. So, I guess what I see is that the the hologram is like it's a kind of portal to a, a like a long-term stability um, that we can create ourselves that is mm. exists within our relationships um, and in our, within our communication. So like, mm. you know, like actually trying to navigate like long-term planning and um, like each of our needs um, as we try to figure out how to actually do the hologram together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like, this kind of work can exist like underneath um, whatever happens in the medical system, whatever kind of, you know, growing emergencies that we have to live through. Like this is something that we can do anyway. Um, 
And I guess, like, I, I feel like, you know, the sort of unspoken inspiration for the project is also, like, having many friends and kind of radical disability community who already... Right like had done this, had already kind of organized this kind of support for themselves and for each other, um, mm. who, who already realized that like you don't give support without receiving it and vice versa. Like it's it's not a one way street. Like mm. I just think, you know, people with with really, you know, with all kinds of different sort of disabilities and health limitations have had to do this for a long time. This is really like kind of aimed at people who consider themselves able, um, who feel like successful or okay usually um but like for whom like the world has just sort of like slowly been clamping down on them um but so that in a weird way they never had to think about how to kind of like plan for their own health to exist through multiple levels of emergency and to do that with other people instead of like as individual competitors um yeah so yeah i just i feel like it really is it might not be the tool, but it is a tool that I think people could really try out and learn about a, a lot, bleh, learn from and transform so that they can figure out what it is they need to kind of like basically survive what will be like a number of like, I think, really hard years. Um, mm. Like, I don't think it's going to get any easier uh, after the pandemic. So, yeah. No, and even if it does, even if it does get easier, I think that there is tremendous value in doing this because um, the the other stuff that you talk about in the book is the the importance of having uh, wishes and wants, not just needs. You know, the that we have been placed in this position of scarcity because we are we are told to be self reliant and to be able to look after ourselves, and the, we are treated as. Um, you know the, the these kind of atomized individuals, and you know over over the last fifty sixty years, communities have broken down for one reason or another, but typically uh, related to work. Um, you know, just in England, you know, I, I I come from Derby, which is a small city in the north of England. And I live in London. I moved down here for work, and many people do that. You know, um, that kind of a migration to big cities, and there there isn't the kind of the communities that maybe this is a little bit kind of halcyon days back in my day kind of thing. But um, but there, this is a way of building in some of this kind of community support. And I think whether whether we call it the hologram or however this looks in in your life. Uh, dear listener the the useful stuff in this um about how to put this kind of network of care into practice is incredibly important and useful because as we were saying earlier often this work of care and social reproduction just gets uh some people um get stuck with that um most often uh women uh uh, or people uh raised as women um get stuck with the social reproductive work of society and it's unpaid and thankless and uh, and something that that also needs to be well, ma- that could be massively addressed by um, by a project like this um, so do you see it as having as having this kind of capacity for solidarity building as well as capacity for like creating community and cooperation yeah definitely I think um, I I mean, I guess what I think I'm seeing in the project is like how we often like, tra- like okay, so when you're playing the role of 
like a listener, like a triangle member for somebody. Mm. Like, um, I think you end up learning a lot about yourself because like you get to ask somebody all kinds of questions about like how they're doing and what they're doing and like what do you like like what are you doing in the morning when you wake up during the pandemic like you know like yeah. these kinds of questions actually like are really helpful because i think in a weird way we're like we are like really isolated even when we have close relationships like especially in our little bubbles right now but like i think for a long time we've been more isolated than we could even know um so I think we can learn a lot about ourselves by learning about other people's struggles, what they're going through, and we can see how we are, like, we're actually part of a society and a bunch of bigger patterns than ourselves. Um, so I think there is a kind of small, like, like in, a, in a very micro sense, like, just connecting to other people's struggles, like, one-to-one, mm -hmm. it helps us sort of understand our connection to society. But then I think, like... One thing that we've been organizing is something called the community of practice, which is that every month there's a Zoom call with people who are practicing the hologram. Like they went through, we teach these online courses, so they've maybe gone through a course or they've done an online minimum viable hologram, like the two hour kind of practice ritual, or um, they've contacted me or us to say I'm using the hologram. And so we do this sort of talking circle where basically everybody kind of like troubleshoots about the hologram mm -hmm. and their experience with it. And it's super interesting because, I mean, it does begin to feel a little bit like a laboratory, but also mm -hmm. a little bit like a social movement where we're like, mm -hmm. we really are trying to transform ourselves. We are, I mean, this is a project about like, it, it is an introspective project in some way because we are sort of mm -hmm. transforming our own internal ideas and habits that are social and emotional and all the things. We're transforming mm -hmm. them, but like with, like a will to change the world. Like it's not just like we just, it's not like therapy. It's connected to like a bigger like purpose. Um, so it's been One really interesting to watch that. And I feel, feel like it's really important that like if you get involved with it, that somehow you, you can feel it as a larger project that's connected to lots of people all over the world who are all really trying. Um, and I think it's like, you know, it's like, I have this triangle that I use a lot that my partner drew. He's a theorist. His name is Max Haven. And he drew this triangle that has introspection, cooperation, and social organization on it. Mm -hmm. And his sort of theory is that, like, in capitalism, you really can't have all three in one life. Like, we don't have time. And when he's talking about, like, so introspection, like, our ability to sort of, like, really see ourselves and, like, transform what we want to transform about ourselves... Um, cooperation, like hardcore sharing of resources and negotiation and communication around that. Mm -hmm. And then strategic organization, like how do we actually like bring down the banks? Like how do you possibly have space for all of that in your life? Like yeah. I, I don't think I ever have. Like, I, no. I, And so I don't know. I don't I mean, I'm an artist first and foremost. And so like in this project, like I'm, I want to make a jump between like we are in our triangles talking about like how uncomfortable we are and trying to transform that but mm -hmm. then at the same time like trying to really like make space to 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 jump up to like hardcore cooperation and the sharing of resources because we're mm -hmm. opening up capa new capacities and new practices in our own lives that make it possible for us to cooperate and trust people mm -hmm. then how do we get to the next phase where we're really ready to like actually organize because we're like healthy and we're stable and we're ready and we're, we're connected to other people and we feel like we're part of the world um, 
So I don't know how that's going to happen, but like, I'm like, why not try? <laughs> Big time. I think it's so, it, it makes me so excited to, to hear about this, but also like reading the book is, it's very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I think the, the one of the, my favorite books of the year, as well as yours, was uh, Rutger Bregman's Humankind, where uh, in that he basically says, you know, the, the takeaway is, look, humans are on the whole decent and they're cooperative and trustworthy. The problem are the structures that those humans are put in. And this idea that uh, humans are inherently evil and selfish and need to be controlled is completely wrong, but that's the world we're living in. But this kind of, I imagine that we're, I mean, tell me if you get the sense as well that that being in a being a hologram being in a triangle knowing that these other triangles are um are, are happening does that kind of give people like a, a general sense of like a, a a reconnection with humanity like does it give people like this kind of feeling of optimism about other humans and i, I, I hope so i think well? so i think like the whole project i kind of had to promise one of the people I work with all the time on it named Lita Wallace. She's um, like a youth worker and a housing activist that co-facilitates all of our workshops with me. Mm. And at the very beginning of the project, when I was asking her to work with me, I was like, I asked her to do it. And she was like, I don't know if I can handle something so heavy. And I was like, well, what if it's not like, what if it actually produces more energy? Like, what if, like, what, like, I don't know how to do it because I'm a cynical angry person actually but like mm. what what if we just decided to make our all of our work like really disgustingly optimistic and not in a way that's like cheesy or stupid uh, mm. or overlooks anybody or anything but like what if and so we've just been working on that like what if we want to at the at the beginning of everything we do we're like what do we want to do well we don't really want to like deplete ourselves we actually would like to produce some energy out of this and so we've been at a kind of micro level trying to do that. And then I think like at a larger scale, like it's just been really interesting because it seems to be like it's the first I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm quite an antagonistic and critical artist. Like that's been my role for a long time to kind mm-hmm. of like push people's buttons and be like, ha mm-hmm. you didn't see how fucked up this was but let me show you (laughs) but in this project has been really interesting because like it is like such a it's a project that people want and that wants Mm. to grow and that um yeah it has like an internal optimism that like I don't necessarily I can't quite understand myself doesn't Mm. exactly feel like it's my DNA Well, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. If you want to hear the rest of it, you can listen to it on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash culture, sex, relationships. We talk about consent, friendships, masculinities, and also self-help and podcasts.